Welcome, everyone, to the Screamcast episode 85. I am Sean DeRager. And with me is Brad Henderson. Ooh, what are you, opening a beer? Coke Zero. A beer? Coke Zero today. Oh, fucking Gotta with, wake rum, up with like, rum? Nope, just Coke Zero. I need to wake up a little bit, which sounds like you oh, need... fuck do you wake up with Coke Zero? You need a shot of something up your nose to wake up. Wow. With us That's as true. well is BJ Colangelo. Hi. She's back. I am back. I always go through BJ withdrawals stay. when you're not here. I go and with I, BJ withdrawals all the time. Well, that sounds like a personal problem for both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Married for 10 years. That's all I got to say. 11 years now. Holy shit. Wow. Old. Old as fuck. Yep. Don't you know what I was doing 11 years ago? <laughs> I was a freshman in high school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. This is not the Make Sean Feel Old cast. This is the Scream cast. Today we're going to be talking <laughs> about uh, the new Arrow Black Cat set, which is uh, mm. pretty fantastic. We're also going to be uh, mm. talking a... Uh, Wow. Are we talking? Because you sound um, like you're doing a great <laughs> job at it right total, now. <laughs> you're really trying to get this out. Brain fart all of a sudden. Route six six six. Yes. But I was you know, I was trying to be witty and you know, I was gonna say Was you there know, a pun coming? Lou, I'm glad we Lou stopped Diamond the pun. Phillips vehicle. Oh it's, my uh, I god. Sucked. I suck today. I'm like, <laughs> You were trying to make a vehicle pun, and we destroyed it, and I'm glad that we did. Thank you. It would, it would, it that would have sucked been anyway. too much. Uh, like, I, I would totally, have been like, like all right, I totally forgot for... Lou Diamond Phillips' name all of a sudden. It's fine. I would have left. I would have um. been like, I'm glad you all enjoyed my two minutes of being back on the show. Peace. Mount. Sean sucks. Uh, and then we're going to be talking some uh, 80s sex comedy-ish stuff. Valley, Valley, yeah. Valley Girls. Valet, valet girls. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> Just jump into I'm, a fucking segment or something. I'm buying you hooked on phonics for Secret Santa. <laughs> I mean, there's only three of us, so the likelihood of me getting you is pretty high. Well, the problem is, like, I on some of these nights, I jump straight from the craziness of getting my kids to bed right yeah, into here to talk about every, movies, and my brain is, is fried. By the time Maybe I start talking. you should that like make that a new tradition. Like kids, tonight we're gonna watch some Hooked on Phonics. Yeah. We're gonna learn how to read and shit. But really, you're just cross training for the podcast. Like they'll never know, and they're getting an education. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Everyone's just get in my my brain going in that direction before. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just looking out for you. Can we just restart the show? Can we restart it? <laughs> No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to compose myself here, but uh, while I do that, let's jump into uh, what's on your doorstep. Holy cow. I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Pizza. <laughs> I will go first. Oh, because yes. You got to give Sean some breathing. Yeah. You gotta give Sean some um, breathing room. It's not gonna be much to breathe because I haven't watched a whole lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, of some of the cool things that are on my doorstep, uh, I watched Last Shift. 
it's on the Netflix. Oh, God damn. I cannot oh, think of that? what the dude's name is who directed it. He Anthony De La Bossi or something? Oh, I yes. Got, I got the blue right here. De Blossi. Um, De Blossi. I really... I really liked it. Um, there were a lot of things about it that I, you know, wasn't too hot on, but there's a lot of really cool in-camera editing tricks, um, obviously crossed with a lot of, you know, CGI things. Um, I really no. liked, you know, lead actress. Um, it's kind of a, a one-woman vehicle. There's a lot of really interesting things in it. Um, um, some of it's a little paint-by-numbers, but for the most part, um, uh, it definitely caught my attention and it's nice when those sorts of films just kind of pop up on Netflix and you don't really know anything about it. That's kind of similar to how uh, I found out with taking a Deborah Logan and um, a couple other films like that, where it just, just kind of gets dumped there and you don't really know much about it and you watch it and you're like, you know what? I'm glad I did that. You know, that's a lot better than a lot of the shit that ends up getting dumped on Netflix. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sold on all of his filmography at this point there hasn't been anything he's made that i disliked um so that's that was fun here's um, a little, like a little a trick for for netflix like most most magnet releasing movies will end up on netflix so if you're yeah. browsing like best buy like i do this is the trick i'm learning every time i buy the damn movie a week later it's on netflix and so usually hold pretty your cheap. damn horses so hold I my horse hold your horses wait a week They'll be on there. And also, I think most of the IFC Midnight stuff ends up on Netflix either the week it's released on Blu-ray or the next week. And you could have saved ten money, ten, ten, ten dollars of money because not buying the last shift. Because Stung and Bloodsucking Bastards are both on Netflix now as well. And of course, I got the Blu-rays sitting right here on my shelf. Damn it. Dude, you need to watch those movies before you buy them because they are not worth buying at all. They were cheap, but like I said, I would have bought I'm mending my. Like it, I'm fixing my. Waist. You would have. You would have bought last shift. Honestly, yeah, I would have. It was nine ninety nine. It doesn't matter. I I, I would have paid it. I would have supported that because I will support. Uh, don't get me. You wrong. haven't seen the movie yet, see, Sean. This I know, is between BJ and myself. <laughs> the one thing that I will say is that it is very unfortunate that it came out right after Let Us Pray. Like that's unfortunate. Because yeah, it's, it's very similar such, to the setting. Such a yeah, a very similar idea, and I think Let Us Pray is executed and a lot more interesting. It's it's better executed and much more interesting to look at. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean it's 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 prettier as well. I mean, see the thing is, with yeah, Last I Shift, completely agree. I think the guy's talented, but he's mm-hmm. just hasn't made a movie I enjoyed. And like, that's fine. Much, you may just yeah. you may not be his target audience. I mean, I really have liked the stuff that he's done so far. So I think maybe just his style is you know something yeah. that meshes well with me personally. It just um, seems like he has like a good idea to start, but it, it hits that about twenty thirty minute mark where it loses me because it happened with the I've flashlight the, sequence. I've been the opposite where I've been you know kind of hesitant, like eh, I don't know, and then something will happen. And I'm like, all right, now I'm in. Um, I don't know. It's I think that that's very interesting that you know the it's doing parts well, that are like, losing yeah. the parts that are well, losing yeah. you are what's keeping me in. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 on Netflix. It's it's a, a fuckload better than a lot of the stuff that gets dumped on there. I I think that it's it's a film that you know is you know making the rounds pretty much just by word of mouth. So if you want to support some original stuff and some independent work, like check it out. I I really think you should. Um, so that was kind of like 
the big movie that I watched. Um, I haven't really gotten the chance to watch a lot of stuff. I've been working a lot, but I will say I have become utterly obsessed with the lore podcast, which is a storytelling podcast, which is why I don't feel guilty promoting another podcast. Um, but it's this guy, Aaron Menke and each, uh, every other week he picks a theme like poltergeists or zombies or vampires or whatever. And he talks about like real life instances where that kind of folklore has infiltrated, you know, real life. So like, for example, they, they did one about vampires and then they, they discussed like something that happened in the 1800s where they were convinced this like family was like draining other people of blood. So then the whole town like killed this family. Um, stuff like that, which I th- think is really fascinating. And, you know, he'll relate it back to how these old legends and lores have influenced kind of the culture that we have now. So like, the poltergeist episode, obviously he mentions the film, but for the most part, it's talking about stuff that was documented in like the 1800s of homes specifically like fucking with people. Um, it's really fascinating. They're quick listens are about a half hour a piece. And I just like binge, binge listened, um, over the last couple of weeks on my commutes. It's really, really compelling stuff. And I mean, if any of you are screenwriters, it's just, fuck, it's plenty of material for your picking and choosing because it's all stuff that really happened that, you know, no one really talks about, but everyone knows, everyone knows what a zombie is, but nobody knows, you know, the real life instances of, of zombies in the 1700s. So, That's cool. Uh, it's like, it's really, it's What's really it cool stuff. It's called Lore. It's just Lore Podcast. Um, but it's right. really, really cool stuff. There's one about, um, dolls like it's really fucking unsettling like that episode was the one that kind of just like got me glued i was like all right yep i'm into it and the dudes you know he's a he's a decent storyteller he's you know they're really well written but perfect you know 30 minute commute crank it out listen to some weird stuff and then you know realize how fucked up the world has always been and how (laughs) we have always been you know kind of salem witch trial-esque type people um it's yeah it's really interesting so nice if you're if you're into that sort of stuff check it out um but for the most part that's been it i'm so boring i've had nothing no time to do anything i'm oh. shooting a short this weekend so i've you're been kind boring. of ball balls deep in that um balls deep yep balls deep uh that's pretty much all i've been doing so I'm actually looking forward to talking to you guys about something different because I haven't gotten to do anything <laughs> well, different. We, we'll be talking about, I mean, I haven't been able to watch anything extra this week either. I'm trying to think of what I wa- I've watched, but uh, I watched uh, Southpaw. Got Southpaw. Oh, yeah. How'd it's not a like horror that? flick, but it's it's pretty badass. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal's, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's hitting it out of the park lately. So... It's it's so weird because the last Jake Gyllenhaal movie I saw was is that uh, how you Nightcrawler. say his last name? Have I, I know, been wrong just, my whole life? Is it Gyllenhaal? <laughs> yeah, it's it's Gyllenhaal. It's Gyllenhaal. 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 I keep saying Gyllenhaal. Keep putting a th. Gyllenhaal. You're, you're, fu- you're fucking me up now because no, I've been Gyllenhaal. listening to you. My bad. I'm now Gyllen- I feel like I'm. I'm you could say Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I've heard Gyllenhaal. 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 Listen, necromantics. Spit or step off. Dear Jake and Maggie, how do we say your name? 
I just want to know. <laughs> I'm looking at, I would say Gyllenhaal. I was saying it wrong. Um, anyway, but he's, he's really becoming one of my favorite actors just because of he's, um, he's disappearing into these roles. Like Nightcrawler, I couldn't, t- couldn't take my eyes off him. And then South Bar, he just totally disappears in this role at this, as this, like, washed up boxer. Um, it's pretty paint by numbers as far as a boxing movie goes once it gets going, but it's a strong flick. I would highly recommend it. And some he's, brutal he's fight scenes. reconnaissance, man. Mm-hmm. That's really all I watched. I got the Hobbit Battle of Five Armies and I started watching the extras <laughs> on that while the that kids are running awful. around. The extras, like the worst. The extras it's so are crazy. Like I had no idea that there was fucking like goddamn seven billion Hobbit movies. That <laughs> There's three of them. This one, these, so these Jesus. are the extended I'm versions. So out of touch. And the extended version of this last one is rated R for the for the violence, which is funny Ooh. that a children's book. It was written as like a children's book, got split into three movies, and the last installment. Of the extended, the, the regular version was PG-13, but the extended version, rated R. But I, well, <laughs> I haven't rewatched all of them yet. But I, the reason why I buy these is because I love the detail that Peter Jackson and, and all them put into the making of. Because there's like an eight-hour making of documentary, basically. Oh, <laughs> it goes through everything. That's and like if a, you're a fan that's of like a the sleep session. It's for me though. It's really super interesting. They do a really good job. They did it on the Lord of the Rings movies on the extended. eight hours. Like that's not an exaggeration. It's. I mean, they're all in installments. I mean, I'm I'm three hours in. I mean, but um, eight hours of special features. Tough. I should say. Just sleep here. Yeah, that sounds terrible. I like that's. I love watching how they make these films, and it's because you're old. Way more entertaining than the film itself. But what's what's interesting is you can see how Peter Jackson inherited like he was he was just going to be a producer he didn't want to direct him and then uh, Guillermo del Toro backed out after a year and a half of post of pre-production and Peter Jackson instead of using all the stuff that uh, del Toro had done had designed and everything he scrapped it all and decided to rush these into production and you can see I mean, I'm surprised he didn't die of stress in the making of these films because it, there's what at one point Peter Jackson is saying, I have no idea what to do in this scene right now. Let's just keep shooting. Like there's no storyboards, pretty much no script. And he's just shooting shit on a green screen. Just, <laughs> And after that, he decides to take like a few months off and actually storyboard the, the battle scene that they want to film, which turned into the third film. But it sounds it, like a nightmare. It's it, it had to have been a nightmare for Peter Jackson. So anyway, um, other than I that, I can't like you just talked me out of watching the movie. The movies are okay. I, I think if you're, I think you, if you can separate one? yourself, this is the third one. So this would benefit three Lord th- of the Rings movies and three Hobbit movies. There yeah, and there's one no Hobbit book. reason for there to be three. <laughs> no, it makes no Hobbit sense at all. Movies. Absolutely no fucking reason. <laughs> that was definitely a cash grab. I yeah, I get fuck it. Did I, these I, movies start coming out that we that third one's out on Blu-ray already. Yeah. Oh, the, it was out all, it was the, the theatrical cut was out last year. Oh my God. But anyway, um, enough of that. Um, Brad, I, I know we're going to be talking about these films, uh, in another episode, but I did want to bring up that I got the slasher video flicks and one, uh, one is not slasher, but it's, uh, 
Killer Workout, Shock Em Dead, Deadly Prey, and then Deadliest Prey. Yeah. The slasher video ones, because you, Brad, you had said something about people kind of ripping apart the quality on these. Yeah. And I, I didn't really see any ma- reviews where they were trashing them. Maybe you, you can expand. But I did pop these in to check the quality. And it's like, they're shot on video. What the fuck do you want? What are you expecting, everyone? So anyway, I'm excited to actually dig into these flicks and talk about them on a future episode. But um, I, who, I wanted to ask you, Brad, who were the ones that were kind of trashing these? Or was it just no, kind of I in mean, the forums or, or bullshit like that? Or Well, I just kept, like, it kept popping up, you know, every, like a few places on Twitter, on Facebook. And then I checked, you know, just looking at forums to see what people would say because it was – you know, I know when they very first, when Slasher Video first said, hey, we're going to be doing this, would you guys prefer DVDs or Blu-rays? And right. the majority of people said Blu-rays because no yeah. one really likes to be, buy DVDs anymore, which I, you know, can understand. I always say go for Blu-ray if you can just because of sales because people don't want to buy DVDs anymore. Um, so the general consensus was that they wanted Blu-rays, so that's what they did. And then they threw disclaimers up saying, "Hey, well, you know, the master, the master is gone. You know, the negative. There's no more prints of this movie. All we have is, you know, on, it depends on which title you're talking about." Two of them about. had a beta, a beta, ma- yeah. beta, and then one was a one-inch tape. Yeah. So I mean, you have. I think the one-inch tape was like Dead, uh, Deadly Prey. Uh, um, it was shock him dead. I need you to relax. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all that so, Coke Zero, man. He's out of yeah, control. Jesus, Christ. watch out! So it's one of those things. I think that it, you you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Type situations that if you don't put it on Blu-ray, you're not going to have the sales. If you put it on Blu-ray, people aren't going to understand that. Hey, I have this Blu-ray of The Hobbit that looks amazing, but then my <laughs> Blu-ray of fucking Deadly Prey looks like shit. Well, you have to go back and look at the quality. The slasher video was very open about it. They never tried to hide anything. They said, um, I'm going to sneeze. They didn't say that. I'm gonna actually gonna sneeze. I think. Nope. I hope that's what they said. Okay. Like if they get a press release. <laughs> like. So you know they they came out and said, hey, you know this is what's going to be happening. Okay, that's fine. They put the disclaimer up on Amazon, dude. When I got my slasher video package from Olive, there's a fucking letter in there letter? stating about yeah, stating about the qualities. Like then you people know, have no reason to bitch. And well, no, no, no. Like, I'm saying like. The distributor was telling me, hey, you know, like even for people that were getting screeners, it was like red lights flashing like, hey, before you fucking say anything, like here's a list of the reasons why and what's going on. Because people like are that dumb. They don't know like where kind of the source material comes from, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I've been seeing that a lot lately. Yeah. And people that bought it weren't looking into it, then Diabolic, I don't know what the whole point of Diabolic, but Diabolic DVD completely dropped all of films. They're not carrying any more all of film releases. Did they throw out a statement or something? No. Oh. They're just not doing it. Because, I mean, you have that mm. whole, you have a huge rally of people. Because num- here's the thing, is that it hurts. If it was slasher video with somebody else or slasher video by themselves, it probably wouldn't be as bad. But being that, Olive has kind of that really bad rap already with things. 
is that now this is on top of it. And then you have the whole roar situation where you oh, know, fuck that. Pe- people didn't like that transfer. You know, you always have kind of shoddy transfers in a way. They're old HD masters. Same fucking thing Screen Factory does, by the way. The only thing that's different Screen Factory does is special features and new artwork. Well, let's just well, let's just say, say bring up the roar thing really quick. Uh, J.R. Bookwalter was brought in to help save that transfer from the transfer that all of originally received. Yeah. So it could have been a lot worse, people, and I thought it looked pretty damn good. But that's the thing. That's what I'm saying, yeah. though. I popped these in. They, I mean, they look better than VHS. Cause well, the, here's they the thing. Look, I think they look fun. Like they look, I can't wait to sit down and watch these things, well, grab myself some beer. And here's what people don't understand about the, the slasher titles is that the fucking slasher titles that Jesus has released. Those movies aren't on DVD. They're yeah. on VHS and deadly prey goes for like a hundred bucks on tape and it's never been released on DVD. So what the fuck do you want? Like you, you're, he's given the movie another life, no matter what the quality is. Yeah. So it just, it really, it hurts a little bit thinking that, man, people really don't care about the movies anymore. It seems like watching a movie, like I I know I bitch about transfers and I'll always be the first, but you know, fucking slasher video Blu-rays weren't $25 like some other companies. They were 1099 when they first came up on Amazon. So 1099 for a fucking beta tape master i don't really have a problem with and plus they were up front a lot of these other companies release it and wait for people to say something and then address it yeah anyway, so that's all i wanted to bring up but i'm i'm now that i have these man i'm super pumped to talk yeah, about them I mean, once i they're watch great, them so. they're great movies maybe aside from not deadly spray is a great movie but because it was <laughs> hey, made but it looks after, better it looks better it, brad has well, better transfer Made after the fact, but I mean, yeah, the, the movies that they they released are great. They he he saved them, you know, from yeah. from you know disappearing. Because if something happened to that beta tape or something, oh yeah, you know, you're, you're, gonna, gone. So, you're gonna source it from a VHS tape, which is gonna look a lot worse because beta looks better than VHS from what they have the masters of. Yeah. Well, so. I'm, I'm glad that they had at least had a VHS master for Dog Soldiers for that Screen Factor release. <laughs> the shade. Dang. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Brad. What's, on, birds your, what's, out of what's on your doorstep, man? <laughs> All right. I had, a, I had a couple things uh, quickly go through them. Um, I received uh, Kino, Kino Classics. Kino Classics doesn't release too many movies, but um, they are completely 100% on board of restoring the fuck out of movies. I think they did the the Death Kiss um, earlier this year. Now they have The Mask from 1961. Um, kind of a psychotronic, batshit crazy movie. It's very low-key to start, but there's a 30-minute mark. And it is a fucking nightmare. And I was like sitting there. I was like, man, this is like legitimately like kind of scary for being 1961 and being how desensitized I am watching this film. I was like, holy shit, this is legitimately scary. I can't imagine sitting in the theater alone in 1961, not being, you know, desensitized to what we are now seeing this for the first time. It's a fucking nightmare. It really is. It's um, this archaeologist who gets this uh, gets this mask that when 
he hears voices that he has to put it on. And when he puts it on, he goes into this nightmare world. Um, and he's also doesn't know if he's being possessed in order to commit these crimes, why he has the mask on. Um, but about 30 minute mark is the very first time, because it's very, just a very like low key, you know, just dialogue heavy, uh, talking about the mask, the artifacts, and then he puts the mask on and it legitimately looks fucking incredible. Plus the, you know, they restore this, I, uh, the Toronto uh, International Film Festival was in on um, restoring this movie. Uh, they also did it in 3D because um, so that was originally how the, the film was released. So there's a 3D version on it as well. I didn't watch that because I, I didn't know what to expect. But the Nightmare World is pretty badass looking. So being it's black and white and old school, the D- 3D probably looks pretty cool. So I'm going to give it uh, give it a shot. But definitely... Surprise, this isn't more popular than it is because of kind of how scary it it can be. And there's three sequences with the Nightmare Mask, and it is fucking incredible. So definitely pick that up. It should be fairly cheap. Um, also pick up the other Kino Classics. Uh, uh, um, I think it's called the Death Kiss. Is it Deadly Kiss or De- Death Kiss? I can't remember. But it's a really fucking, really awesome movie. It is... Um, these guys that are uh, filming a movie, there's a murder on set, so they have to have everybody on set, and don't they don't let them leave, and they only let the police come in to do the detective work to try to find out how this person was shot on set with, you know, they had all these, of course, prop guns, but there's one gun that's real, so they're trying to find out where it came from. Not really a horror film, it's, it's kind of a genre mashup, it has a lot of comedy, you know, it has horror, it has action, it's a very well done uh, picture for, you know, you just, I, I guess being that I'm so desensitized to that stuff, I don't look at films that are older, like they're going to surprise me, I guess, because it's already been done. But it seems that a lot of these older films that are kind of unheard of are surprising me more and more than what new, like I sit down and watch fucking watch a new movie and it doesn't surprise me at all. It's very, you know, by the book. These movies yeah. don't. They, they like legitimately. They didn't have. They didn't. The reason why I think they're so unique is that they, they didn't have to do much to be different, because not a lot of that stuff was done yet. I mean, we weren't even in the seventies horror yet. We're still in the fifties and sixties. Well, there's no you know, unwritten formula that yeah. they're pressured to follow. Otherwise, audiences are going to be like, "Well, I wanted to do this." Yeah. <laughs> so it's it, it's it's. You know, it's kind of crazy and unique to watch these films unfold, and and then nothing else was like it after it as well, which I think is really unique. I mean, we have genre mashups, and we have you know night nightmares, of course, uh, you know nightmarish movies, but nothing that followed that formula that this movie created. I don't know, it's because it wasn't popular at the time. And now they're being restored, or what? But I mean, we all have those psychotronic films, but this is definitely one of the more unique ones that I've seen. So uh, definitely pick that up. Very cool. Um, next was, oh my God, probably the worst movie I've seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Oh God. Um, Had you I never was, seen it? No. I no, watched I the first 10 minutes, Brad, when we were talking about it. I, and I regret every I second I couldn't get past yeah. that 10 minutes. I said, nope. 
I'm not going to buy this thing. I'm not going to support this thing. <laughs> Forget it. I think pretty much everybody knows about it, so I'm not going to go. This is a collector's edition for some ungodly reason. <laughs> but this is also known as one of the worst movies of all time. It's based off of uh, Topps Trading Cards. That was kind of a parody of Cabbage Patch Kids. Um idiotic cards that did really really well that became into a live action movie and it's fucking fart jokes that's it it's terrible i can't honest i you know honestly i don't know maybe it's one of those nostalgia things that you'll like it if you that's were a exactly kid. what it is one thousand percent but it's gonna be i have a feeling it's it's one of those things it's like oh screen factory release it I like it now. Yeah. <laughs> Good movie. No, it fucking sucks. Well, I um. think that they're trying to do, a, not Scream Factory, but just the Garbage Pail Kids branding in particular, I think is trying to make a comeback. Yeah, um, yeah, they I've are. I was looking it. at the cards. They, they've been yeah, doing the, the cards cop, like every year. The cards are coming back up. Um, I know Freight Rags just did like a set of shirts. Um, but even Walgreens, they're doing like, like vinyl figures of them. And they're um, in like... Uh, kind of like the trading cards where, you know, you don't know which one you're going to get, but you get the vinyl figure. I, you know, I got two of them. They're really good quality and they look just like the ones off the cards. I'm a fan um, of the cards and everything else. That's just, yeah, uh, it's, 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 just it's crazy. It's weird that it's coming they, back like this. But it's crazy what they did to the movie. Yeah, you know the movie I mean? is very bizarre. Like, it's yeah, just... Yeah, it should have been animated. The fucking... You know, people look like they're wearing fucking helmets that have <laughs> eyes painted on them. It just really just just a really bizarre movie. Willow watched it. She giggled during every time <laughs> someone farted. So I guess that's a plus. Um, what, what what kind of stuff do they put on this as a collector's edition? Is there a I, retrospective like, documentary? It, no, there's just or? new new interviews and stuff. Ah, okay, that's it. It's just it's just new interviews. It's it's pretty much all it says. So Why the hell do they do a it's collector's an, it's edition? It's a nostalgia bank. That's yeah. that's all it is. Okay. Yeah, they're gonna sell more if they do collector's edition. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have the slipcase, Brad? Is the slipcase on there? <laughs> there's a slipcase? Anyway, slipcase. Yes, there is a slipcase on it. Dude, that's the best voice you've ever done in your life. Um, the, anyone who complains about slipcases and everything like that, that's the, automatically the voice I give you when I'm reading your posts, by the way. So your um, entire Twitter feed is that voice. I'm well, assuming. yeah. Well, I mean, I unfollowed basically all of the Blu-ray groups and stuff on Facebook. I just I so sick joined. of it. So sick of it. Yeah. And... I'm like, I, I just look, I don't, I don't, I'm not part of it. Cause I, I just want to see people bitch. Cause I think it's funny. Uh, yeah. Um, next I am going to be super nice while reviewing this movie. Um, this movie was directed, written and directed by Chris Alexander, who's the editor in chief of Fangoria. Not anymore. Um, well, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> um, he quit to become a filmmaker. And he's yeah. in charge of Shock Till You Drop. Huh? Isn't he in charge of Shock Till You Drop now? Or is he writing for them? Or he's doing something with them now? Did he take over after Sam? I believe so. I don't mm. know. I've I've not been on the internet in like six days. Yeah, yeah. It's really weird. I feel yeah. like I fell in a black hole. <laughs> so anyways, Chris Alexander. So I've, that said, I was expecting maybe a little bit more. Um, so anyways, this, uh, this is actually, they put two films on this Blu-ray. It's, uh, called Queen of Blood and no, it's not the John Saxon movie, um, which is also released on Blu-ray recently, which is kind of bizarre, I think. But anyways, um, 
there's uh, the debut that he did called for Blood for Irina, which is the kind of the prequel to this movie. Um, I went ahead and watched them both. I don't know how I did it, um, but I did. Um, both silent films, they do the exact same thing, just in a different setting. But we'll jump to Queen of Blood because that is what I'm holding in my hand. So Chris Alexander is obviously a huge fan of Eurohorror. Um, oh, yeah. So he tries to emulate that with – it looks – I could have sworn that half of this stuff is shot on video, but it's probably just a small DV camera. Um, silent film, extremely pretentious. Um, it's one of those movies that if you cut out all the, let me film this spider climbing on a web for 15 minutes, your movie would be only 15 minutes. <laughs> There's so many sequences where the fucking, like, I understand like showing beauty, showing that stuff, but when you're doing it to make your movie an hour and a half, it's not very fun. Um, there's a lot of that. It's, it's dragged out a lot and plus not having any dialogue really hurt the film because you're just waiting. You're, you're wanting that next, you're just wanting it to get to that next scene and wanting that next scene to happen and next scene to happen just because you want it to be over. Um, which I'm not saying that to be an asshole, but it's just, it's very, it's very slow pace. It's like watching the worst Jess Franco movie, which I think is saying a lot. But were Jess Franco movies silent? That's what I don't understand. No, why he no, did a no, silent no, film. No, he. I mean, it's. But that's that's the part where it just feels really pretentious to me. Like, give it a shot and see what I'm saying. Yeah, I like, have it right here. It's it's on my stack. And of it's to watch. like. Like, I don't mind silent films. I, I don't mind that at all. I don't mind what he was trying to do. But when you watch it, you can get that that feeling that, oh, man, like, you really wanted to achieve this, but you couldn't at all. It, like, make your own movie. Don't make – don't try to recreate something, especially a fucking Just Franco movie. Jesus. Um, I don't know. It's, it's At least it's only an hour and 15 minutes and it's a vampire flick, and that's it. <laughs> I really don't. I, I don't know, if I keep talking, I'll just end up being mean. So don't, I don't be mean. Do that. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I don't want to be, be a, a dick. Asshole. Just don't be mean. How how is Queen of Blood in comparison to Blood for Arena? Because Blood for Arena, I didn't hate. I mean, it was, but you kind of nailed it. It was like, okay, I see what you're going for. And it's I the exact, necessarily... you know, I, I watched them both and I'm not kidding. It's the exact same movie, just in a different setting. Okay. Like blood for Irina is like present times. Mm-hmm. Queen of the blood is set like in the 1800s, but it has okay. like a village style type thing. It's very okay. bizarre. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it just treads the same ground. Like, scene for scene almost where it's like, Hey, what's going on? Oh, you're bitten. What's happened again? Oh, you got bit too. Son of a bitch. Shoot. And it just fucking <laughs> keeps going. I wish that um, that's what the actual dialogue was, but with like the old, <laughs> like silent film title cards, like, Oh, you got bitten. 
Shoot. <laughs> that would be good. So um, next is another Screen Factory release, um, which is also a UK Arrow Blu-ray, which is the car, which I've always been a huge fan of. Um, yes. Yeah. Fucking James Brolin is fucking kicks ass in this movie. It's uh, about a murderous car that's in Utah that starts fucking killing people. And it's up to James Brolin's character, who is a um, police officer, and, and fucking hunts down um, hunts down the car. Nice. He's, he's a new sheriff, but yeah, I mean, still fucking policeman. I've had the Arrow so, Blu-ray forever and haven't even watched it yet. Oh, you haven't? No, dude, I it's it's really fucking good. Yeah, some I really want to watch it. Some great um. You know, stunts with the cars, unbelievable stunts, like some really badass uh, shit. I mean, it's fucking, you know, predates Christine. It's like Christine on crack, you know, where do, the car, car's relentless. Do either of you watch a uh, regular show with the kids? No. No. There is an episode of regular show that pays homage to the car. And the first <laughs> time I saw it, I was like, are they really making a reference to the fucking car right now. And what they do is they, they go to the video store and they rent the car, like, or it's a movie called Elo Govna instead. And it's about a murderous car. And then like, they get nightmares about the car and think that it's coming after them. But like you watch it and you're like, this is <laughs> the car for children and it's brilliant. And no, I don't think anybody who watches this episode has any idea what it's referencing. But now, like, since this release is coming out, more people are seeing it. You're like, oh, my God, like kid shows are getting so like underground refer referential. Yeah. Um, I, I, I track it down if you can. It's 15 minutes. It's a good episode. And it's always funny to see, you know, something kind of some, somewhat obscure make its way into you know the forefront of pop culture especially for kids um yeah no, it's pretty badass yeah right like they also have uh, that show does a lot of things like little things will pop in and out like they they do like um they do a big evil dead episode there's one that's in reference to suspiria there's one that's reference into um oh god they there's a day of the dead one where just like all the arms come out of the walls. Um, <laughs> like just little itty bitty things will pop up here and there. And you're like, Oh my God, did they just make references? They did. Holy shit. And this is for like preteens. This is great. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend doing that back to back feature with your children's. I want to watch regular show now just to see that. That's yeah, a cartoon, you should. right? Yeah, and it's way funnier than it has it's any on right to be. Adult Adult Swim or something? No, it's actually it's on Cartoon Network like during the day. Like it's not even like their adult channel, which is crazy to me that there's like there's an episode that's 100% a rip off of Evil Dead and there's even like a character that's Ash and <laughs> he's like fighting zombies and like looking at the camera and making like stupid witty puns. And I'm like, none of the kids watching this are gonna get it. But like, oh, we're okay. at that we're at that time frame now where all of the like, you know, your age <clears throat> people are having children. So now the references, you know, like how every Disney movie has references that are more for the adults than that is for the children. Well, now you know the things that 
we're into are things like Evil Dead. So those are the references that are popping up in kids shows that are meant to, you know, appeal to the adults that are stuck watching cartoons with their kids. Right. You know, I, I had, I think my kids were watching this once and they, there was some sort of reference that I was like, had to, you know, stop what I was doing to kind of be like, what are they watching in there? Yeah. And it's, it's, I can't remember exactly what it was though. It's so weird that it's, that that's what's happening. Like I remember when I was a kid growing up, like, you know, the, the new episodes of Scooby-Doo would reference things that like my parents watched, but now like the kids shows are referencing things that like I'm watching and that's weird to me. I'm like, Oh fuck, I'm an adult. Like that's, uh, I don't like it, but it's, it's kind of cool to see how that sort of, you, you know, now making its way into children's entertainment. It's just, it's, it's weird. It's it's a really surreal kind of experience. Very cool. So, but yeah, it's um <clears throat> the Arrow uh, Blu-ray is the same transfer because it's just an old HD master. They didn't do a scan. Um, the only difference is that the special features on the Arrow release are uh, better. Um, they go a little more in depth with the filmmakers and with commentaries and stuff like that. This mainly just has interviews. New interviews with the director and um, and shit like that, but a, a lot of fun. I always say sit down and fucking watch Duel and the Car together as a double feature, and your mind will be blown because nice. it kind of has that same feel, that same cinematography, mm-hmm. that same like those dirt roads, um, you know. Or watch that and um, the Car and what's that movie? Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Stacy Keach, Road Games. Um, uh, is this Stacy Keach in Road Games? I can't remember. Sure. Road Games is it, Road Games is out of print, but check it out. Uh, last but not least, I talked about this film before. I watched it again because it came out on uh, Blu-ray, and Willow wanted to see it. But I rewatched um, a Christmas Horror Story. Um, still didn't dig it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little early for Christmas movies, don't you think? Well, uh, I mean, we're yeah. getting close. Getting close. It's, getting close it's not even Thanksgiving yet. I know, but around this time, once you kind of DJ, it's like a week two weeks before they like look a week Ugh. before Thanksgiving, I'll I'll start. You know, if people want to get the Christmas spirit, that's just fine. For me, Christmas happens once Thanksgiving is done. Then I break out that weekend. I break out all the decorations and crap, but but not before. But hey, if you want to get the Christmas spirit a little bit early, fine with me. But just don't not too early. Let's let Halloween breathe a little bit. Let's get through Halloween. Let's get up to Thanksgiving and then jingle all the way and all that bullshit. Jingle all the way. Do that movie movies? fucking rules. I love Jingle <laughs> oh, All the Way. No, no. It's so This is where funny. we have the age break oh, right man. here. I don't care. Watching <laughs> a generation Sinbad gap. Fucking, fucking break kills me. Like <laughs> I, I tried so watching it again good. last year just because I was like, hey, this is probably really silly and fun. No, it's not. It is a fucking. That's a nightmare. That's a nightmare. <laughs> it's so <laughs> good. Oh man, it's so good. It it kills me. I love it. And yeah, it is a generational thing, and I'm totally fine with it. It's, but, it's fine. It's, uh, it's you know, it's like Space Jam. You know, I mean, Space Jam is another um, generation game. I don't understand the love for Space Jam. Oh, uh, Space Jam was like the second movie I saw you know, in theaters. Hey, it's Let's fine. Put it like that. But see, but now, but now <laughs> that this stuff happens, I don't give people shit when they don't, when they don't like don't like movies like Goonies. It's fine. I get it. I get it. Goonies is awesome. I love it. Goonies but is you, awesome. If you yeah, don't like Goonies, Goonies awesome. you can fuck I don't off. I know there's but, not uh, too many people that 
don't like Goonies. I think it's there I are think some it's people. Different. I did meet somebody who violently hated Ugh. Monster Squad. I think I think that's just blaming the people trying to be against the grain. Goddamn no, hipsters! It, was, like, it wasn't though. It's like he's one of uh he's one of the um like the the big wigs at like the big uh like city cinemas here. Like there are like weird art house ones. He never saw Monster Squad as a kid, and everyone kept telling him like, "Oh my god, you have to check this out. You're gonna love it." And he watched, it and he's like. I don't love it. He's like, these kids are dicks. I don't like them. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. And like you, you rewatch it and you look at it with like a sense of fondness. Cause you were that dick right. kid yeah, when Monster totally. Squad came out. But if you watch it as an adult and you've never seen it and you have no, like no sort of relationship to it all, you're like, these kids are fucking assholes. I don't yeah. care. Die. I hope, I hope you get eaten by a werewolf. You're a piece of shit. But, it's all good. You know, the, 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 the yeah. nostalgia buttons are good. It's fine. All right, yep. let's jump into our feature uh, our feature presentation. Uh, today we are talking about Arrow's beautiful box set uh, called Black Cats. It is a double feature of uh, Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key and uh, The Black Cat. That so let's jump into <laughs> the first one, which sounds like a 1995 hardcore band. Uh, your vice is a locked room and only I have the key directed by Sergio <laughs> Martino. That was yeah. such a good introduction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I it's so it, accurate. It, it reminds me of all those pretentious <laughs> hardcore bands in or the like 90s. Like they weren't a band name, they were a sentence. <laughs> right. Or, or they would have songs be sentences. It's like really. Like every yeah. Fall Out Boy song. Get up. Well, Fall Out Boy kind of stole that from the hardcore bands. Yes, they did. Well, because Fall Out Boy used to be a hardcore band, but we're going to get a cancer. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. We're going to go on a rabbit trail where we don't want to go into a Fall Out Boy rabbit trail or a 90s hardcore band. Uh, no. Fallout, or Neither of those rabbit, rabbit holes. We just, need to, we, yeah, we just to need to stop. We just need to stop. So uh, let's talk about this one first. I mean, both of these movies I, I don't think I'd heard of, even though The Black Cat was a Lucio Fulci movie. I hadn't really heard of it or paid attention. This one, though, uh, your vice. I'm just gonna. How do you shorten this goddamn thing? Vice. Uh, I'm gonna y- say vice. V i s l r a o i h t k. You can just okay. call. It, I have the key. There you go. I have the key. Whatever. Uh, the, the Sergio Martino film. Um, I absolutely adored this film, and not just because there's copious amounts of nudity. Um, and, uh, Edwidge Fen- Finesh, is that her name? You, you, you Beautiful. almost got it. Beautiful. It's, uh, anyway, this movie is. You better say her name correctly because she's fucking iconic in Italian well, cinema. Well, yeah, she, she, she went to be a like, pretty, uh, badass producer and stuff. Well, no, well. I mean, she played in a lot. Of, I mean, she's like the queen of fucking Giallo films well she's, she's in a lot of them Edwin mostly Finesh. all yeah Finesh. doesn't know how to read you can't hold that against him Edwidge finish okay stop um but anyways yeah she worked with Sergio <laughs> uh, Martino quite yeah. a bit so um, yeah they were you cutting me off saying yeah yep I was telling, telling yep. you a story go for it no, I'm, I'm, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> I was in the middle of giving my uh, my reaction to the film. Oh, go ahead. That there's boobs. No, there's a whole lot. Like I like this movie because it gave me a funny pants feeling. (laughs) 
it's it's definitely Italian. It's definitely seventies. That's for sure. With the you know, with the the freedom in the film. But what what I loved about the film was the 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 giallo feel, the mystery, um, the mystery to it, and the fact that I actually was surprised with uh, the resolution of the film. It actually took me by surprise. And you know, a lot of films, especially like mysteries and things like that, you kind of figure things out as you go. But I was really on board with this film, and I and I was aware of the Black Cat story, the Ed, uh, Edgar Allan Poe story, but um, the twist that they took with this film and how they incorporated that story into this film was really fantastic, and I loved it. That's all I'm going to say so far. First time watch. Yes. Um, go ahead, BJ. I'll let you go. Um, I was going to say, I, uh, I don't dislike it at all. I'm I actually rather enjoyed. I think that it's, it's a beautiful film. Um, the first time I saw it, I think it was probably a little too young. It was, I was very much in my pretentious, like teen phase where I tracked down like every giallo film that I could just to look cool. Um, so I think, you know, upon rewatching it, a little bit of that sort of lingered in with it. And I was like, eh, I've seen better. I've seen worse. It's, it's fine. Um, I really enjoy the black cat. So when we start talking on that, I'll dig more into that. But I have a key. <laughs> I mean, I like it. I don't, I, it's not something that I'm going to, you know, sit at home and be like, you know what I really want to watch right now? This long ass fucking titled movie. Um, <laughs> that's just it. That's just kind of my thoughts on it. Um, and yes, she's real hot. So I agree Still with you is. there. Yeah, very wolf. Yes. I mean, uh, Anita Strindberg is not so bad either. <laughs> oh my God. I like when you just try to you know, like pick out female names. That's her name. Um, no, no, I know. It's just like you're reading it. You can tell that you're like looking at <laughs> Anita Strind- Strindberg. Strindberg. That's what it is. Um, I first saw this a few years ago um, because I had this this plan because I was writing a Giallo film that I was going to you know watch every everything in order to know what to do and what not to do and be different because there's a very simple formula with Giallo that everybody likes to follow, um, which is fun in a sense, but it also kind of gets tiresome. I think with this film in particular, it really tries to be different because I mean, this is uh Martino's fourth yellow film and he already had a big, um, kind of a bigger success with the strange vice of Miss Ward. Um, which is, you know, kind of a play on words with this title because it was vice again, but he really tried to make it, very character driven and kind of uh, a little, maybe too highly sexual from, because I mean, giallo films are usually sexual, of course, because they involve sex and murder and mystery, but this one seemed to do it a little bit more over the top. And you kind of get lost in this, in this world of the sexuality and possessiveness. And you don't really realize you're watching a giallo film until like, you know, 30 minutes in when the black glove, uh, black glove killer shows up. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of unique, um, kind of, uh, pacing the story. Cause once that happens, then it dives back into 
more characterization, heavy on dialogue, um, and doesn't really talk about the mystery and the murders too much in the very beginning, and then jumps back to the more killing. Um, and, and it's not as brutal as um, as a lot of other Giallo films that I've seen. It's the really stuff that's shocking is kind of the relationship um, with the characters and being so possessive and kind of this, uh, this huge sexual drive that the film has. I think that is more uh, unsettling than the actual uh, murders and everything like that. And I also, you know, with style, uh, Martino knows how to shoot a film. Um, he knows what to capture and how to capture it. And using background, foreground, colors in order to help uh, tell his story, which I've always um, really enjoyed. He's he's a hell of a filmmaker. He he can use brutality in such a way that it's beautiful, where it's not it hits you super hard to where you know you you have upset stomach or you get sick or. You know, it's the the gore scene for gore's sake or something like that. Like everything from Blade of the Ripper to um, uh, the Scorpion's Tail. What the fuck is the name of the movie? Uh, whatever, Scorpion's Tail movie. Um, you know, and then also he did Torso, um, Sex with a Smile, stuff like that. Like it has these these tendencies to be beautiful using the gore and the brutality rather than, you know, kind of a, you know, you have Lucio Fulci with, you know, we are going to be talking about the black cat soon where it's overly gory and the scenes go on for so long with a cat scratching somebody, it just like <laughs> keeps scratching and scratching and scratching and scratching when, you know, your vice uses, a little of that. And I don't know, this is not the main focus. And I've always yeah. liked that with, with his films in particular, because I think it's just, I think he just does a good job. You know, the, the cat isn't the, is just a piece of the story. It's kind of weaves in and out at certain moments. Its name is Satan. So, you know, something's up yeah. with that cat, but which, I mean, which I think is, it's a unique pairing with the, both of these films yeah. because like I understand, like I actually didn't realize it until it was packaged like that because I I was thinking about the cat, um, but I never really put two and two together because I, I guess I never picked it up on the credits in, in the film because I've seen the movie I don't know maybe about two or three times I just I just didn't pick it up until this box that was released I was like oh shit duh you know so. It uses little similarities. It's very loosely based. I mean, obviously, the Black Cat, Fulci, is more driven to that Poe story versus what this is. This just uses a couple elements, from what I, for, for me at least. It's, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I'm such an idiot. I should have read. They actually have the Black Cat story in the box set here. And yeah, I'm it's the booklet. Kicking myself for not reading it. Oh, Sean. Don't you don't know how to read anyway. It's okay. I know who has who has time to read. <laughs> so I don't know. It's it's. I, I think for um, Giallo fans that actually like um, stories and because 
we have there's a tendency for the Jello films to be very misogynistic and very brutal and hate, hateful towards women. It's a very common thing. Um, I don't necessarily don't think the filmmakers were trying to really do that, be misogynistic back then. But from watching it now, going back, um, some of those films can just be a little like, oh, wow, this is another one where you just, you know, tear apart women. Like there's no really there's no story. We don't you know, it's it's very red. Um, the music's very heavy. And someone's breathing very, very, very heavily in a mask, uh, <laughs> sparkling gloves. Um, with this, I think it takes that toll of more trying to be what, um, you know, Argento uh, was doing with Giallo, making it very, um, you know, basing it more off cinematography and, and camera tricks and, and, and being more beautiful while staying true to that that formula that, you know, obviously those books created in, you know, the, you know, the fifties and, and, uh, and sixties, uh, translating that into, uh, using that suspense with the story, but using your surroundings in order to keep it suspenseful rather than basing it off brutality. So I think this is definitely one, one of the films I would, it's not as exciting as a lot of Giallo films, but I think it's one of the more well-made ones, so yeah yeah that's where i i completely agree with you is that it is an extremely well-made film i like the risks i don't want to call it a risk but the differences that they take in comparison to you know what we would expect from a giallo film makes it interesting but as a piece of cinema like non-comparative to other giallo films eh. like and i think that's what it is i mean if you pull it out of the pull it out of the genre of giallo films, it's nothing really special. But when you line it up against, you know, kind of the carbon copies that a lot of giallo films have become, it does stand out. And for yeah. that, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, I just think the Black Cat's better. That's just <laughs> yeah. well. I think another thing that Martino did a lot with his giallo films because he made quite a few is that he wanted to kind of be all over the place with, with, yeah. with his Jello films. He made yeah, stuff like this, and then he got brutal like with stuff with like Torso. and mm-hmm. um, Torso's my favorite of his, personally. Fucking, oh God, what is that other movie that he did? Uh, the Violent Professionals is the other one that he, uh, he did that it gets to the tendency where it's like, we want to be more brutal, we want to focus on this. So I I think it's pretty ambitious is when you take, uh, you know, uh, a genre that you're comfortable with, but you do it differently and you kind of want to do what everybody else is doing. And also you want to make a film that you, that's not like anything else that is out, out there. So yeah. I don't know. A lot of fun. I, I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, just cause it's, it's just it different than what I was expecting it to be. And I, I saw the Giallo elements, but I appreciated that it went beyond the Giallo. And there was, um, you know, some kind of some psychological stuff between between the, the women. You know, you didn't really know. And, and none of the characters, like, you you kind of think you know Javier, everyone pegged. But it, he did a really good job with characterization where you kind of do feel sympathy for each of the characters in a way, but also you're kind of looking at each of them sideways, like, you know, um, trying to kind of pinpoint who the killer is. Cause he does such a good job of, 
kind of setting up where in any of these characters potentially could be, you know, committing these murders, you know. And um, and then the cat's just fucking around with everybody. But Brad, you might know this. Uh, when did this one come out compared to... Um, this came out in the... Early, All the colors like, of the dark. 70s. This is his movie. This is after. This is his fourth okay, movie. Okay, so this is after. All it's colors like of the dark. Later. Is his, is his, uh, is his is, third? Is it third? Okay, cool. Yeah, I think it was um, his third third Jello uh, film, and then he did Torso okay. after this. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that yeah, makes it was, sense. It was okay. uh, the case of the scorpion's tail, and then all all the colors of the dark. Case of the scorpion's tail, and that's then your vice in the locked room, and then torso are the kind of the because he did this, he did the uh, the scorpion with two tails later on, which is pretty cool. Oh, he also did uh, after the fall of New York. Hell yes, which is really <laughs> great, and Hands of Steel, which is one of his better. He he did action. He did action really really well. Uh, later on, because I mean, it's kind of funny to watch him go about making giallo films, and then he got into kind of more action, and then he did, you know, Sex with a Smile, which is a you know kind of a comedy, and then he he did in uh, the, he did a western movie that blew underground release, and I can't think of the name of it. Cool. But anyways, I don't know. Very diverse filmmaker. He's definitely one of the best. He doesn't. He's not a corny filmmaker either. Right. He. I mean, I guess maybe not his, at all. His later years, I maybe I should take that back. In, in the eighties, like Fall of New York and Hands of Steel, I think he started to fall off his rocker a little bit, just mainly because <laughs> he probably wanted to have fun. But his first like twenty years into cinema, he didn't have that corny Italian type thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, Fulci's oh shit! He did film. Screamers. Yeah, that and he oh, did the uh, hated Fishman that movie. I hated that movie. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> but you know, th- there's always those corny tendencies, and it's it, and it's one of those things where you know it's probably lost in translation. That's why it's kind of funny to us in in situations. We also have the dubbing aspect that uh, that makes it you know kind of corny and 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 weird, but. He's always one to kind of, you know, steer away from how that all came about and operated. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's very more straightforward and doesn't like that's what I'm saying. He doesn't do the gore for gore's sake. So he doesn't have like, you know, a woman running and then there's a shot that's a, you know, a long shot. And then just a doll explodes or something like that. Just that off the where you just giggle because it's so obvious that you know this is the gore scene this is the big thing he doesn't really do that which i've always really liked yeah you know and one thing we can talk about the black cat because that happens quite frequently yeah uh it happens all the time in fulci movies yeah well uh let's jump into the black cat in uh in just a second um but i want to go through the the disc briefly because there's there's some there's some interviews in here which mostly were kind of dry just listening to him talk about his career and um, Sergio, listen to him talk about his career and everything. Which he's still alive. I I don't know. It's a well, yeah, I think so. It's a brand new interview with Sergio Martino, and it's it's just great. He's just so he's so casual and relaxed, just talking about his Shit. career and I don't know. He and uh, he talks a lot is. about uh, uh, Edwidge. Um, 
and all the stuff that he did you know, with her as far as film goes and everything. And well, yeah, she's his muse for oh, totally. Know, for she, the most part, she was. He says she was yeah. uh, his brother's partner, basically a uh, partner. Oh. If you know what I'm saying. And uh, but then his brother passed away, and she she became more of kind of like a sister to him. Um, so he just it's really cool. They have a really cool relationship, and he definitely. I'd hope so. Given well, yeah. <laughs> Um, but there's also, there's also like, I tweeted this out earlier, like Eli Roth seems to show up in everything these days, especially with Italian right? cinema. So there's What's a freaking interview that? or with Eli Roth. He's, I don't care talking for Eli Roth that Martino. much, but he's pretty fucking knowledgeable. Well, no, it's great. That's, a, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, it's great hearing him talk about he these films and he knows horror. so much about these films, but it's like. Dude, why don't you create better films with all this knowledge you have? Yeah, that's the one thing I'll never take away from him as much as, like, I'll shit on him all day. But dude's he smart, and shit, he knows man. his shit. Yeah. yeah. He really yeah. knows his I would, shit. I'll, I'll so. listen to him talk hor- Italian yeah, cinema Yeah, can they just make him – can that just be his thing? Like, Eli Roth, stop making movies. Just, just, do the just Italian talk cinema. about them. Yeah. He, does, he just does moderation. Italian like, cinema <laughs> film yeah. historian. Like yeah. you know that you know that old saying, if you can't do teach, <laughs> I think he's the perfect example totally. of that. Because he's all he all of a sudden brings up Hostel Two during the interview, and I was like, oh, oh, he's throw like, this, up. Because that's, that's what I was trying to do with Hostel Two was a uh, that was my homage to Italian. Yeah, good news. N- yeah. No, <laughs> well, plus Edward Finch is in Hostel Two. Exactly, he mentions that yeah. too. Uh, anyway, let's jump into some Fulci and let's talk about the Black Cat. Well, I was just gonna say Hell also yeah. on this, uh, you know, this they did a um, a negative scan of this film, so it looks really fucking good. Yes, both of these films and are brand I, new 2K scans, and I think that's a big thing to say with Giallo films because it's one thing that I always look for is because they are beautiful yeah. films. So this truly does look really good and it's well worth the price um just for this movie alone and the packaging. So let's get to Black Cat. We already did. You missed it, man. We were already We're already there. <laughs> we're there. Okay. Fucking with you. All right. Uh Black Cat Lu- Lucio Fulci and I had never seen I have I mean I've seen a, like the main Fulci's. This is one that I have not seen. And I was surprised that this one wasn't as like um, head explodey and gooey. It doesn't feel like a Fulci film. We'll just put it that way. Not at all. Right. (laughs) There's a couple things like when the bed is shaking up in the air and, you know, the cat scratching the face up close, then it feels like a Fulci film. But everything else is just kind of off the rocker, does not feel like his vision yeah did did you know yeah. that the the bed shaking was the idea of the producer and the producer wanted him to put an exorcist type scene in the movie and he begrudgingly did well because it feels like you know it feels like manhattan baby type shit when it happens <laughs> so um yeah, it's 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 just a it's a bizarre film. I mean, I saw it um Blue Underground I think released it on DVD um back in the day and it's I don't know, I first saw it when I was working in a video store and it came out on um came out on DVD. I picked it up because I was, you know, on a, like a Fulci kick. So I wanted to see everything he did. And I I watched it and I was actually kind of disappointed um when I first saw it. So I haven't revisited it in, until um until recently, last week or so. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still, I still feel the same way about it. I think I, I respect it a little bit more 
in a sense, because I, I've grown since I've, I've last seen it. But, um, you know, I just feel like this to me feels dry. Mm-hmm. It, it's very, it seems like it drags for quite a bit. Um, he needs to stop zooming in on people's eyes. Well, that's his. He that's needs, his sig- to, that's he his needs to keep thing. doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's his signal. That's, that's how you know it's a Fulci. I, I know. <laughs> There's certain things about his films that you know his trademarks or whatever. Um, but I mean, there's certain aspects that I really, really did. I like the, the sequence when she's laying in bed and she sees the yellow eyes. Oh yeah. You know, I thought that was really, really well done. I, I, I really enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed some of the cat attacks. Um, I enjoyed seeing, you know, Fulci actors that he uses frequently pop up here and there, like randomly. Um, is the lead guy, the dude from, it, it's, uh, David Warbeck. He's from uh, fucking Clockwork Orange, right? Is this is this the same guy? I, I didn't look it up. I'm really bad at this game, so <laughs> I, I'm useless. Um, well, anyways, um, Dave, yeah, David Warbeck. I mean, he, he's been in you know a lot of films here and there, but um, you know, I think he's a very sinister looking. He, he's he's I think he's a great actor. Um, he's got that furrowed brow in the beyond. No, you know what? No, David Warbeck is the fucking. He's not. He's not the hairy guy. Who's the hairy guy? Well, he has freaking uh, unibrow for days. Yeah, that that does that is there. It's not a unibrow. He just furrows it a lot. Like he's constantly like half thinking and half constipated. I don't know. One of these guy. One of these guys in one of these movies. I could be getting my lead actors. Uh, in the, the guy that plays the, the lead, one, in is, one of these movies, one of the guys fucking played. We just talked brow. about, um, you know, the fucking strain case of Doctor Jekyll, Miss Osborne. He's in that. He's in fucking Clockwork Orange. Patrick What's McGee. Patrick McGee. That's it. He's the one. Yes, that's <laughs> that's the creepy looking guy. Not David Warbeck. David Warbeck's the fucking cop. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Jesus Christ! I got so confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, this is where I fucking need IMDb, Sean. Bring it up on my computer. Bring it back. I, I got it up now Bring here. So yeah, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, he's, he's in like Barry Lyndon and stuff like that. What? No, never mind. Just I was saying, going. bring it back. Bring it. <laughs> okay. Bae. Okay, I thought you were just calling him your bay. And I was <laughs> like, calling what? me bay. I was Dude, like, what just happened? Sean is my bay. Like, what are you talking about? If you want to get into yeah. that. Um, he has so the furrowed brow. The other actor in um, Your Vice is a Locked Room, Luigi Pistilli, that dude, unibrow. Sorry. Luigi Pistilli, that's the fucking dude from... Um, Was it bothering you that much that you couldn't figure out which one had the unibrow? Bay of Blood. <laughs> um, well, no, I, I got confused. This is where HD is like, oh, man. You know, because this is one of Fulci's more Americanized uh, films, and I, I yes, think that absolutely. I think that's in part of the um, the situation why it feel doesn't feel uh, so much like a Fulci film. Like it right, feels yeah. like it was more made for American audiences. Um, but I don't know; it's just weird. And one thing I did notice, I wanted to point out, and I wanted to uh, tweet to Ted Ted Gagan from We Are Still Here. Is that I didn't even pick up that the last name Dagmar that he uses in his <laughs> film is the is the the girl that plays Lillian. It's her first name, Dagmar. 
I guarantee you, guarantee you, that's where he got it from. Of course. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Uh, shit. Using those homages in, you know, fucking clever ways. So, so BJ, you, you are a fan of the black cat more than your vice is a locked room. Um, What, what, what do you love about this film? The black cat to me kind of exemplifies the Americanized Italian film in the sense that it's like really right on the cusp of melodrama, but it's not quite there. Whereas like, like really, really like Italian Italian films are always very melodramatic and I love it. And it just is ridiculous. The more uh, Americanized feeling Italian films are like melodrama light so it's just enough where you're enjoying it and you're kind of able to have fun with it. But at the same time, like it's trying so hard to be a serious film that you're going to take serious and I can't. So I have even more fun because I can't take, <laughs> I can't give them what they want me to give them. Um, like, <laughs> you know, like the, like the bed scene is a perfect example. So like the bed scene is for, is, is ridiculous, but it's, fun but at the same time is creepy and uh, i don't know i really really like it i'm i'm more of an argento than i am a falchi um that's just always been my thing but this is the movie that kind of makes me want to rewatch all of falchi stuff um it does one, but when you watch it you're like what the fuck where did this come from right because like it, it, it feels like he didn't want to do more, the movie it's a little bit more coherent than a lot of his other work um but that's not saying much um no but it is it is it wraps around uh, uh, like all the scene most of the scenes that happen happen for a reason but it just it feels like a really dumb it feels like a fan film of a fucking falchi movie what what i read and what i got from the special features was that he did this really quickly in between city of the living dead and the beyond boom yeah so that's the reason why i think that's why it's lame sounds like it was like he a was studio mandated for those right it was like a studio mandated type of uh contractual but that's obligation. the reason why, again i this just solidifies the reason why it doesn't fucking feel like a faulty film at all mm-hmm. like there's they're just his signature trademarks is the only thing that carries over like the stuff with the eyes, the slow moving, uh, you know, um, some of the action sequences, the mm-hmm. gore. Like those are the only things that really care. And plus the actors, you yeah. know, it's. Well, I was expecting it to be more, a little more gory. Even the cat. I mean, the cat attack. I mean, this cat is a motherfucker. Yeah. So this, cat, this, this, this cat is a, no This fucks. is the perfect, perfect <laughs> representation of a fucking cat. Yeah. This cat has this no fucks like, to give. This is real life. <laughs> yeah. Like. Those fucking cats I put on my Instagram, my feral thug river cats, <laughs> I think they are descendants of the the black cat in this movie. They could like, be. The cat has picked up on my hatred. Like, <laughs> what? So it's, no! Where he, I mean, both these movies go, from what I know, go uh, d- divert from the Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe story quite a bit. This one, I guess in the story, the person was more of a monster um, and this, this one, Fulci makes the cat the monster and kind of the, the cat's the, the murderer pretty much 
mm-hmm. in this film. Yeah, it's no, it's, it's no spoiler. Supernatural. Yeah. Um, yes. It's it's it plays with the. I, I don't know. I don't want to call it the superstition because it's not a superstition film. It's no, no, but it plays with that it, black yeah, it, superstition though. Yes, but it's yeah, but it's not a superstition film. Right. And right, I think that right. that's important. It to uses elements of that, I guess yeah. you would say. And what's different is like we're we're with the last one we talked with um oh, this fucking name. Uh your vice is locked room is more of a mystery. This has mm-hmm. mysterious elements to it where but you're never mysterious about what this cat is. The cat yeah, is an agent of evil. Uh, to the extent, <laughs> this cat's a dick, and he's gonna ruin everything. To the extent of why the cat is singling out these people, that's the mystery, and um, and I, and that, that's pretty much it. You know, I mean, I I think I was expecting it's more of a mysterious element from from this film because I just got done watching the the other one, and I didn't get that. But still, like, so this one did fall flat for me, and. Because there's like there's so many things where I feel like Fult like if it's, if it was going to be a Fulci movie, it could have gone a little more batshit, a little more crazy. Like, listen, I'm saying I think this is definitely a very Americanized and very producer heavy. Yeah. yeah, this is this is a lot more tame. You can t- it feels very restrained for Fulci, which yeah. I I guess is also why I like it. Hmm. Because I, as much as it's fun to watch him no, go on I all cylinders, I completely agree with you. As much as I love Fulci, I completely agree with what you're about. Yeah, because that shit gets exhausting. No, it does. And it's like, it does. oh my god, like you, because you just it's it pushes and pulls so fucking much in his filmography. But the Black Cat, like, it's a little bit more subdued. So yeah. like, you're getting just enough of that wackadoo, but at the <laughs> same time, it's you can follow it. <laughs> I guess is is really what it comes down to. Like you can follow it. Like yeah, there's not as much mystery as far as the cat, but because that yeah. mystery is taken away, I never once am like, all right, what the fuck is happening? Like I yeah. know what's going on at all times, and that's a relief for his filmography. And I think that's why I like it so much. Yeah, because he has he has very few movies like that to where they're low key. Because I, I mean, I think Zombie is is always one that people forget. Like it's a very low key. Uh, oh yeah, film, I think you know, and that's it, probably it, why it's his most well known and beloved, arguably, right. and, is because of that. And his other film that a lot of people love, but it just doesn't, it's not very well known, is uh, for the apocalypse. I mean, you know, the serial killer western movie. It's oh. really fucking good. Um, but yeah, it's for, I actually don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, it's like four bounty hunters are being tracked by a fucking killer. It's cool. really fucking good. But yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's just, it's more or less just, you know, it's very toned down from, you know, stuff like, you know, House by, I mean, I, maybe House by the Cemetery is not a very good example, but, um, you know. Uh, that one's House, a little. I mean, it has its, its moments, but like shit like Murder Rock and fucking, you know, House of Clocks and the fucking Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, as much as I love those movies, like, you wouldn't be able to sit They're down and nuts. watch like a bunch of Fulci movies in a day. Yeah. Because oh my you, God. You would no. be fucking tired. After <laughs> no. movies. I don't think I'd be and able I to. love him. He's a huge inspiration of mine. And I fucking love his films. And I think he's a great filmmaker. He's got a hell of an eye, but 
that's that lost in translation aspect to Italian cinema is that sometimes it's like, do you understand what you're doing? Cause I don't, <laughs> you know, I'm not picking up, like I watched Manhattan baby like 10 times. I still don't know the fuck I'm watching. <laughs> I've tried to analyze that movie, like sitting down watching 15 minutes a piece and writing about it. And I can't, you know, <laughs> cause you so, stop in that 15 minutes and then you don't remember what happened the 15 <laughs> minutes before. Yeah. When, so whenever like, we bring up Fulci now, I, I always wonder, and I looked this up earlier, like when the hell are when you get Murder Rock released again? Cause it's no. a, on an out of print DVD right now. But that's another, that's another one of those movies that, you know, it is so like, you're like, Oh man, Murder Rock's going to be so good. And then you watch it and you're like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> Like you're just he's doing what he wants. And that that's the cool thing about filmmaking and for him. But at the same time, it's like some of his really like House of Clocks is a really fucking cool idea, but it gets lost in Fulci's brain and gets scrambled egg type brain and you- then it pours out of his mouth and it's like I can't imagine being an <laughs> actor, so like an American actor on set during this. Could you imagine getting direction? During that, like, wait, what are we doing? In the, bla- in the black, know. in the black cat with uh, Patrick, uh, um, what's his last name? Maggie. McGee. McGee. That scene where he like hyperventilates when he has the ring. That's that's so Fulci. I can't imagine like him telling Patrick to actually do that because that scene completely takes you out of the actual scene. And you're like, what the fuck mm-hmm. is happening? Do you guys think Fulci operates better when he's under the thumb of a producer then when he's more restrained? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, this is the only film where I would really say is very producer heavy, Okay, but huh, this is my least favorite Fulci film that I, that I can, you know, that's not. I'm not saying the movie's bad by any means, but of, out of everything, this is the least rewatchable. Like I would rewatch Manhattan Baby again before this. Really? And that, and that movie doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I wouldn't it's say that he's. I wouldn't say that he's a better filmmaker when it's more producer heavy. But I think that you know this is a good example of why producers exist because you know as much as you know, Fulci is a, a very brilliant mind. He can, when he has all, like, the all-knowing power of his art, it can be crazy. And for an art piece, that's wonderful and that's brilliant. To make money as a business effort, not necessarily the best idea. Um, so I think that it's it's very weird to see those two worlds and, like, you know, look at something like a Manhattan baby, which very much is fucking off the wall and not necessarily accessible. And then in, compare it to something like the black cat, which is a little bit more accessible. And you see like, Oh, this is why producers exist because they're trying to make you your money back and they're raining your crazy ass in, which, you know, is that a good thing? I don't know. I mean, is that a bad thing? Maybe, but you know, either way, now he has this very varied and different installment into his filmography and shows that he can do something other than be fucking crazy Fulci. Yeah. 
And I, I think these both both these movies in, in this set complement each other well. I think if they're put yeah, out on, on their That's... own, I don't think I'm I'm glad that Arrow decided to put these two together. Yeah, I think it's a great double feature because they they share enough similarities. I mean, obviously the source material, um, but they share enough of those kind of gel elements, um, but they're still very, very different. So yeah. you don't feel like you're watching, you know, four hours of the same movie. Like you're definitely, like definitely getting two sides of the palette. Well, that's what I was which, worried about. I, I was worried I was going to be seeing the same, pretty much the same story twice. And they're right. both done and in such a, such a way that, uh, where the first one definitely is more of a giallo mystery, um, a, a whodunit. And whereas the, the black cat is more of, um, I don't know, more of a, it's more of a supernatural cat slasher movie. <laughs> I don't know. Can that be a thing? Can like we invent that subgenre <laughs> here and now? Like cat slasher films? Yeah, I, I feel, I mean, I'm trying to remember, like, who's the actress in The Black Cats? I feel like she isn't given enough to do. She kind of, I guess, brings the story oh, along. But, I mean, out of, all, out of the actresses, you know, I mean. I cannot think of her last name. I know her first name is Mimsy. And I only know that because it's impossible to forget that fucking yeah. first name. Um, I mean, she's oh, okay, God, but she, I mean, name. I feel like, you know, her role is pretty... Just is just tying everything together. Am I wrong in that assessment? No, that? you're not. You're not wrong. Mimsy um, Farmer. That's Mimsy it, Mimsy Farmer. Farmer. <laughs> Mimsy fucking Farmer. I just want that to be my job title. What are you? I'm a Mimsy Farmer. <laughs> what do you do? Farm Mimsies. <laughs> but uh, that would be fun. This set is great. I think um, I got it on sale, so I was pretty. Pretty happy. Oh, wow. Fucking hats off to fucking Alfred. <laughs> what? It was, uh, it was $39.99 <laughs> on Amazon when I grabbed it. It's up You're to like. You're fucking welcome. It's up to 40. Thanks, Brad. You let me know about it. <laughs> I was trying not to spend any money, Shit. and then Brad texts me about this. Dude, it's only fucking $40, and <sighs> that's like a normal price of a fucking arrow release. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, well, but, that's the thing. I was like, well, I better, I better grab this. Yeah, fucking forty dollars for a kick-ass box set like that, and like two decent movies. Yeah, I'm trying to see how much it is over at Grindhouse Video. Hundred fucking dollars. It's forty nine ninety five at Grindhouse over at GrindhouseVideo.com. Boom. So not Buy bad. It. Screencast so, ten. Screencast ten. You get ten, you, you save ten percent, and uh, you're helping out a awesome website and a local business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, keep them live uh, so I can keep going there. While we're plugging shit, uh, a great companion to the black cat set would be coffee shop. Of oh, Horrors, never my God. Coffee, you are never more amaretto. Oh wait, you're right. I will give you that. I talked about it last week, but I was like, I should have saved it for this week. But, uh, this is amaretto as fuck. Yeah. Like you smell it. It smells like amaretto. You brew it. Holy moly. Amaretto I in your mouth. I need it. I need it. <clears throat> anyway, those are our plugs. CoffeeShopBehorse.com. Yeah. Use the code ScreamCast. And plus, Black Cats is limited as it is. well. So I know that um, Arrow released like, the percentages of what they have left of films, and this is one of the lower ones. So yeah. you might want to pick it up because Arrow does, once they're out, 
they're out. They don't like find some secret stock later right. on and be they, like, "Hey, we have a five for some reason we have five hundred more copies." Yeah, if they sell well, like the Hellraiser, like the Hellraiser one, um, they'll release like standalone versions. But this is one that I doubt that they're going to reprint. They'll let it sell out and uh, be yeah, done. I mean, with they it. might release them by themselves, um, but you know, the films. By I mean, themselves, they haven't released. But, they never re-released Hell Comes to Frogtown, and that ugh. Yeah, but so that was bummed. a limited edition Blu-ray. I know. They also did that with Hellgate. They released Hellgate ah, as well. So as sad. I have Hell Comes to Frogtown. I'm cool. You're a jerk. I don't own it, I but I don't think you're a jerk. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I really hope somebody brings Hell Comes to Frog Hell Comes to Frown Hell Comes to Frogtown um, Blu-ray here in the states. It better happen. I hope so too, so you could shut the fuck up about. <laughs> Sorry. Until then, I do kidding. have the I do have the DVD, and that's fine. But uh, what a great! You have play. all the sequels because there's like no, 10 I don't. Sequels. I almost we were talking about one day, and I almost bought them, but I saved. They're my really money. awful. I'm glad you didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. So that's that's the Arrow. Uh. The Arrow box set, the Black Cats set. It comes. I believe it comes highly recommended. I think there's a you have a lot of mileage with these two films together. The book is great. And uh, there's plenty of special features to go around on this thing, and the films look great. So, um, definitely. Apparently, 20th, to 20th Century Fox owns Hell Comes to Frogtown. Okay. So, good fucking luck. And they're sitting on Looks the like abyss and true lies. God damn it. What the hell? All right. Actually, wait, when did uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown come out? Like, what year? Or the Blu ray? Yeah. No, what year did the movie come out? 80 something. Because, well, it was between 88, then actually Anchor Bay and Image own it. Fuck. No, never mind then. It's never coming out. Nope. Arrow, so. you're our only hope. We release that shit in the UK. Come on. Yeah, Image doesn't release movies like old movies anymore since so they got shit on so much. Anchor Bay might do it. Not. In conjunction with Scream Factory? I don't know if Anchor Baby associates with Scream Factory, do they? They did with the Halloween set. That was only that was a one that's, deal. That was the only thing. Damn yeah, it. I think that's like a very, very special their side of the like, deal, situation. Didn't do yeah. much. All right, moving along. So, moving along to... Let's, let's jump into our Scream... La Bamba! Sit... <laughs> <laughs> Our stream screams. Nate, wake up! There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Don't fucking scream at me! Scream, I'll break your neck. <laughs> Don't scream, miss. Don't scream. Wow, you said it without, like, a fucking problem. I'm getting better. <laughs> Man, you're getting so good. We are talking Route 666. Route. Route. 666. Christ. <laughs> route 666. I say Route. Route. It is. I'm kidding. I'm just fucking with you. Route 66. Route 666. But if it's Route 66, I say it like, I don't know. I think <laughs> maybe it's just pop culture. It's just weird, you know it. I had a weird feeling ever since we got out here. I have been 
traveling these back roads for weeks now. You know, no map's gonna help you here, Dad. This road is closed. This road is off limits to everyone. Open fire, boys! I'm for taking all these old back roads, Jack, just not this one. This one is cursed. Something's not right. Where's Nick? Wait, you didn't see him in the car? No. I'm going down there. Whoa! There's a new marshal in town. Y'all gotta go down there to Route 66. Oh God, you should just do Y'all your pass brace up face. that one with the extra six in there. That's trouble. Oh God, <laughs> it's the highway of the beast. Route 666. This came out in 2001. It is available yes. in HD. Through Voodoo.com yes. for seven ninety nine bargain, and it's so fucking worth it. How it's you so feel about it. it may vary, but um, all right. This is directed Let by me... William Wesley, starring Lou Diamond Phillips and Lori Petty. All right, so I wish I had been drunk to watch it. That's my review. <laughs> this is the second and last movie from William Wesley. He did uh, Scarecrows, which we covered. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. With um, book book Walter. All right, so this is how I feel about Route Six Six Six. Is that if this movie was made fifteen years? before 2001 <laughs> it would have been so kick-ass because I, I like it it feels like it is a scare like it's scarecrows again dude it totally feels like at least a 90s movie yeah Early so, 90s. but um, that's what i'm saying like it, like i feel that it it has i think being it was in 2001 oh yeah and being that new wave of horror i think it hurt it to the point that if this movie was right. made in the you know, like fucking early nineties, late eighties, it would have been fucking awesome. But I think the like modernization of horror in two thousand, like it happened in ninety eight. That's when horror changed in nineteen ninety eight. I swear to fucking god, that's the year that I was like, wow, we're really taking a different turn here. <laughs> and up to about two thousand three. This like five year span where it became very MTV ish, mm-hmm. and um, that's how this movie is. Like every fucking time the zombies show up, yes, that's the we one drop thing I hate frames, about it. and I'm like, God damn it. why are you doing that? That's a very very poor choice. To yes, do. that's my one major criticism of the film but is that dropping think, the frames for the zombies, but or whatever they are, if Ooh. it came. Zombies. Cool. If they came, if they came out, if this came out prior, like before '98, even it would have been a lot different cinematography wise. Yes. Um, you know, uh, also it wouldn't more, look so clean. Yeah, they took away a lot of like the cool gore that they could. I mean, they have a fucking jackhammer that they're plugging into people, but all you see is blood spurt on your face. Like the one guy, the very first guy that they catch the one cop, when they walk away from his body, his body is obliterated on the ground, but they never show it getting to that. Do you think it got cut? Well, I think they just, well, no, no, I just don't think they filmed it. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think they did it either. (laughs) 
you know, so, because I think it's one of those things where they, you know, they weren't going to go that small budget, limited, limited budget with a, with a film like this. Um, I, I that's the reason why I'm so like partial to it because I feel that it would have been one of those fucking movies that we talk about and love from from the 80s or early 90s. Yeah, well, it, it, that's what it feels like. There's so much potential, but I think it missed its year. I think that this film went in production in the fucking late 80s, and William Wesley had the hardest fucking time getting this off the ground, and finally he met some people in 2000 <laughs> to produce it, and they made it in 2000, released in 2001, and the time just passed. Yeah, Because well, look at the fucking script of this movie. I was just about this, to say that. This script is pure 80s cheese. Oh, like, yeah. Fucking Stephen Williams is like the best character actor and so fucking funny in horror films. I mean, he's the one of the reasons why I like Jason Goes to Hell, you know. Um, but he is just so fucking funny and such a great companion to somebody as unfunny as Lou Diamond Phillips. Um, <laughs> And, and he's Lori, not that bad. He's not that bad, but he's, even, he's charming. He's charming, but he's, he's trying. But <laughs> yeah, I, he just, I think that, that, that material was more or less like more or less written for like a, you know, like a Napoleon Wilson, you know, Carpenter snake Pliskin role rather, yeah. you know, actor that can, and they got, that can play that good guy, bad guy vibe. And, Lou Diamond Phillips plays an amped up cop. Yeah. Yeah. That's how he portrayed it. And that's why I didn't, I didn't really care for him. And then Lori Petty, who is kind of the wisecracker, you know, um, she, she's miss, she was a miscast. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm pretty ride or die for her, but she's very dull in this movie. And I, I think maybe if they put a no name in there, it probably would have worked out a little bit better. Um, but putting a decent, a good actor in that role and not giving them the screen time, it she's not really given much to do. Is right? The thing. I think it, just you're, you're waiting, and I think that takes you out of a film. Like if you're going to cast, I mean, this is Tank Girl we're talking about here. Yeah, but I mean, if yeah, you cast exactly. somebody such as Lori Petty in, and you know, and this is still she's still in her prime. I mm-hmm. mean, she was coming off the '90s. She's still well known. She's still well liked, and you put her in that movie. You're waiting for something for her to do more, and I think that takes you out of the film itself because you're waiting for something like that. You shouldn't have to wait; it should just be there. Because when it first yeah. starts with you know the bar sequence, and then it goes with them, um, you know, uh, handcuffing him in in uh, in in the in the bathroom, and then Steven it goes Williams out of the character. He's fucking Stephen Williams is fucking great. Rabbit. The, just, the film just feels the, very, very ADD in the way that it's, I don't know if it's just like the way that it was edited or the way that it was shot. Um, I think you kind of nailed it when you said like the kind of the MTV ification of it. Yeah, no, it, 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 it just, it feels, it feels like they had so many great ideas and then they just jumped around because they were trying to keep your attention. So they just would change things. And I, I, and I think it's just, I think it's a total miscast because even Dale Midkiff, which is funny that we talk about like two Dale Midkiff's films on the podcast. We talked about uh, Nightmare <laughs> a Weekend and he was in that, but uh, oh, that's right. Dale, Midkiff, Dale Midkiff's is in this 
and his character is very funny, like dialogue funny, but he cannot portray that role very well. He's not a funny guy, you know, and, and that's, that's mm-hmm. the one thing I think that hurts this movie more than anything. And I think that's the reason why also it doesn't, it's not horrible is because of Steven Williams. What do you think? I don't if feel this like was, we're selling this movie that that well. What if this was <laughs> what? shot back in 1991 and Lou Diamond Dude, Phillips had been... his mullet still? Would he? <laughs> oh, now, that would have been 1991 Lou well, Diamond see, Phillips. Do you think he'd pull it off? 91 Lou Diamond Phillips would have been better because that's when he was like, okay, I'd say anywhere between 91 and 98 mm-hmm. Lou Diamond Phillips because that's when he was in horror films. You know, he was doing. You know, he was coming off the of first power. He was in, you know, um, that vampire movie where he has to break their backs. Is how you kill people. <laughs> Which one's that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I can't remember the name of it. But fucking um, Vince Madurko's in that movie. Uh, who's a- I think he would. <laughs> I think he wouldn't have been afraid to have, you know, kind you of know, fun with it. I feel like. Bats. Yeah, I think he plays a oh, great. God, he, he's right. awesome in bats. <laughs> He's, he's think, the reason why I like bats. I think 2001, you know, he he was at the point in his career where he was trying to, you know, maybe be somewhat more legitimate than something like bats. Um, <laughs> so I think if this would have came out in 91, he would have been kind of still in his fuck it mode. And like it would have been he would have had more fun with it. And then we would have had more fun by proxy. Um, but I think 2001, he's like, I'm going to play this. But it's kind of hard nosed. You're like, no, don't do that. You don't have to do that. It's way more fun to not do that. Um, ugh, I don't know. I have like this weird love hate relationship with like the horror that came out in the early 2000s. Um, because for the most part, that was the stuff that I was seeing new, like right when I got into horror. Um, like the stuff that you would just pull off of like the shelf at Blockbuster because it was there, but like that's when I was discovering things, mm-hmm. and it's not necessary. It was not a good, time not a good decade to genre. be discovering. Well, uh, yeah, horror. exactly. Like you guys got to you know grow up and like watch Freddy as kids. Like I, no, I I got <laughs> I got root six six six. <laughs> <laughs> So it's um, like, you're lucky. It's, so it's lucky. all right. Like it's <laughs> it's okay. I think it's a good it's a good one timer if you have some alcohol. Um, oh yeah, it, you know, it's definitely it's, like a, a fun movie that you watch with a group. It's definitely not something I'm ever. Gonna, hello, hello. You know, really chase down to watch again. But I also do like I like how there's. Can you, I don't know if you can hear me? Can yep. you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, I like how there's a weird subgenre of horror films that are like open road horror films. <laughs> like that was a thing in the early yeah. 2000s. Like the you had that. Forsaken, you had... one of the best fucking vampire movies ever made. Stuff <laughs> <laughs> like that. It all the you time. Joyride. You have Monster Man. Like you have all of these. Yeah. Th- like open road horror films. And Fuck, route, I mean it. route 666 started it all. <laughs> fucking revolutionized horror. And as and as much as like I hate to mention it because it's he's disgusting. Jeepers Creepers is also in that same kind of realm yeah, of like traveling down the road and it's a horror film. Um, so like, why was that a thing? Like, why did that? It's totally a thing, huh? Because thing? everybody saw Route Six 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 and they were like, "Yes, let's do this." I'm pretty. And sure they wanted to make sequels. 
you know, that could they could have made a franchise with fucking, you know, Especially rabbit. Especially with that fucking, title. Yeah, like yeah, it could have been six 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 six. Like no U turns. Like what? <laughs> Get it? Get it? Yeah, it's, that's a sequel title. But I'm, I don't right. know. I think the movie is totally watchable and all for the sequence. Whenever fucking Rabbit poses as the marshal. Yes, that's it. Yes, <laughs> and he sits down. It's the best, and he just sits there and he goes, "Who the fuck took my watch?" <laughs> but it's out of nowhere. It's like he never lost a watch. He never had a watch. He just sits down and says, who the fuck took my watch? Like, it's like, but I think that's like the 80s shit that's coming out. Like, Stephen Williams is so corny because he, Stephen Williams is the guy that did, if anybody remembers, like, you know, when X-Files was popular, we had all those, like, UFO abduction, like, miniseries or, like, special special edition UFO miniseries things, like, at 9 o'clock tonight. He was the fucking narrator of those, you know, dressed in a fun, some fucking duster in the middle of the desert sand <laughs> in in Roswell, blah, blah, blah. He's the one he's the one that did that. He always did that shit, you know. He was, like, he wanted to be that Unsolved Mysteries dude. But I think with with what his background was and coming, coming from, um, you know, cause he's also a TV actor. He did a lot of TV. I think he's the only one that got it. Like he knew how to do that role. Well, the sheriff too, the sheriff's great. It's like, he reminds me of like a skinny Sid Hag, like hardcore. Um, just how he speaks and how he portrays himself. But I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's the characters are there. The script was there. It's just it was executed at the wrong year and the wrong yeah. time, yeah. and they got actors that they thought were popular or they could use to to market the film maybe better. Right. And I think I think everything like that it it fell apart. Yeah. So with a title like Route Six Six Six, you had to you had to market that better. I know, man. I see the title and I'm like, I'm so in with this. Yeah, I don't know. It's it just it's. I think it has a ton of potential, and it just wasn't executed well. But I st- I still love the movie. Well, it's on Vudu.com uh, right now. Probably any streaming service you can rent it or buy it for uh, for very cheap. So seven ninety nine. Do it. Let's move um, along to our VHS. Oh my god. Wow, dude, you're not. Ew, so why do you say it like that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I gross myself out. Nikki. Well, here we are at last. Right where we ought to be. Video. Oh my god! Yeah. But yep. this is not a horror film. Um, but this it's is amazing, is what it is. Valet girls. We help you, ladies. Jeez, I think it's too late for that. I'm terribly sorry, ladies, but this invitation is for next week. We'll see you then. But you know, you should be leashed and collared by your master at all times. Then you won't mind if I do. Not at all. Hey, watch out! I'm on fire! 
developing a screenplay I think you might be interested in. It's called Ninja Lanty Nut. Hi, you're the caterer. Would you care for a tequila, man? Do you mind if I do? Can I just now you do you want my phone number? Not that you aren't a little hunk, dear, but you do park cars. It's the story of the boy who ate the water bagel. And I'm going to this by saying I was not <sighs> able, I was not able to see the full film. You said it that you, you said that last time. You said that you last show. So well, here's the yeah, thing. I don't even think you get a chance to even speak anymore. You're fired. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it was available on HD at one time, so somewhere there is an HD master of this somewhere, and it's just, MGM owns it, I think. Uh, uh, no, which means Lionsgate. it's never coming out. Not Lionsgate. Lionsgate. Lionsgate doesn't own this. Uh, where the hell did I see that? Lionsgate or Anchor Bay? It's, it's, or it's like WB. That. It's WB or MGM. Because <clears throat> it is. Oh wait, you might be right. MG, well, I'm, MGM, MGM. Try, is it MGM? I'm trying to look at my tape. Well, I can't it's see kind my of, tape from here because it's in the V's. I was trying. I was trying it, to look. I was looking through some different things, and I, I thought I saw Lionsgate on one streaming site, like Voodoo said, or Voodoo it never came up there. But some site said Lionsgate, uh, Amazon.com. When you look up the in the movies, it says H. It says uh, MGM. So yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, here's that. a fun fact: it doesn't matter because we're talking matter. about how cool the film is. God, I've, I've only not seen who the scenes. Fuck owns it. I've only seen a few scenes of this, so I'm gonna All let right. you guys go at it because I really want to see the full film. So, number one, this is directed by Rafael Zelinsky, who is one of the more notorious uh, sex comedy directors who did Screwball, Screwballs Two, um, Screwball Hotel, and Screwball Trilogy, of course. Um, recruits, um, Elcaster, it's not a sex comedy, there's something else. There's one other male, uh, sex comedy he did, I can't remember the name of it, other than Valley Girls. Um, but it's weird because in the golden age of sex comedies, um, where it's all about TNA and guys trying to bang girls, we get a female perspective in a way of some struggling um musicians that want to be something but don't like it's it's kind of unique i think this is where vj will be great great to come in to get that kind of that female perspective of um kind of uh, females portrayed in sex comedies of how you have that in the movie you have how females are usually portrayed in sex comedies but then you have these girls ballet girls that do it a little bit differently. Um, almost to a, like kind of a, I don't know, a sort of like feministic side to, to the whole ordeal. I mean, you'll have to TNA of course, but. Oh yeah. I was going to say this, um, cause this is one that I had, I had not seen and I am so thankful that you brought it to my attention. You're welcome. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> Whoa. Because <laughs> um, I've, I've been starting to, you know, dive into the, the teen sex comedies of yesteryear. Um, and I've, I've been trying to track this one down, but I haven't known where to find it. Um, cause I've, I've heard this about how it's, you know, 
oh, it's kind of like gender swapped. So first of all, Valley Girls is everything that I love in life because it's a sex comedy and there's like original music in it because like the one wants to be a rock star. Mary D. Marshall's like, the lead who yes. had a short-lived career as a musician. No big deal. Yes, I love that. And then – um. Oh, goodness. Uh, what's her name? Rosalind is um, the voice of Wendy Testerberger on South Park. Like, she's a voice actress now. Um, I did so that's a fun fact. Um, so <clears throat> that being said, I was so game for it because it's, you know, cheesy and campy and, you know, there's music and there's, like, sex comedy, all that fun stuff. Yes, it's different in the sense that it's showing – you know, kind of from the, from the eyes of girls of like, this is what it's like to be coming of age and finding yourself and discovering, you know, kind of like sexuality. But at the same time, it's definitely still, I I mean, you'd kind of have to given the time period it came from, it's still being present. Yeah. It's still being presented, you know, with the male gaze, like all of the TNA that you see is still very much sexualized for male pleasure right, not right. necessarily for women so in that regard like it's it's close to being really progressive like it's interesting that it is kind of a flipped perspective but the overall view of the film it's no. the same as every other sex comedy um but that's okay right. i mean there's still merit but in they that. definitely still did fun. try to do something new yes i mean you yes. do have I mean, fucking Valley Girls is directed by, of course, what I said, Zelensky, who did Screwballs, who the entire plot of Screwballs is just to see a girl naked. That's yep. literally the plot of Screwballs is just it's to just see boobies. <laughs> is just like literally that's it. That's all they talk about. That's the goal of the movie. And then you see them, and, then, and the movie ends. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's really like, fucking It's great. like, here's her kiss, oh, life credits be- roll. Oh, the life end. before the internet. Yeah. So, no, but it's it's great. But, I mean, you also have that director doing ballet girls, so you're going to have that. But there is that sense of, like, there's not – I mean, I'm pretty well-diverse in sex comedies. I can't tell you one sex comedy that does this – does uh, has this approach of having a female group, female, like, you know, leads trying to do something without using, you know – titties and stuff to get get to where they want to go like it's very toned down to but around them the sex the other sex comedy movie is happening but they kind of have their own in their own little world which i always kind of dug and i thought was very unique um you know and very ambitious in the sense of like you have these valet girls let's see them naked but you're seeing everybody else naked that type Mm -hmm. of thing yeah which I, I I definitely appreciate. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Um, I, one of the movies that it gets compared to a lot in like the same realm of a uh, girls just want to have fun. It has that same yeah. spirit, but you know, a little bit more raunchy, um, which I, I agree with. I think that like your introduction into these sort of films could be girls just want to have fun. And then once you're a little bit more mature and you can kind of handle the adult content, then jump into something more like ballet girls. Um, but no, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's very bright too, which I love about kind of that whole sex comedy subgenre is everything you watch is really bright and kind of brash, like just from set design, costume design, everything. Um, so it just, it makes you feel good to watch it. Like everything about it makes you feel good. I mean, 
even the fact that it is, you know, all of those films do have like low key misogyny in all of them <laughs> because <laughs> you kind of yeah. have to. Um, and, and, but, like, and you does, don't feel gross huge, about it. Yeah. And this one has a huge one because, I mean, the guy that uh, the Malibu parties happen as a complete fucking sleazebag. Oh yeah, he's you know, disgusting. And, but like, but and you have that. He's but, not. He's not glorified for being a skis bag. Like he's a skis bag, and you're meant to dislike right. him. Which yeah. a lot of times didn't happen. Like, you know, a lot of in a lot of the sex comedies, like the overly aggressive macho guys were the villains. But at the same time, even you know, even kind of the the underdogs were shitty. I mean, look at them like Revenge of the Nerds. Like everyone's like, oh yeah, the nerds win. Like no, he kind of he kind of takes advantage of her. Like, we, we always, like, <laughs> rush over that fact. Like, that's misleading. That's technically in the court of law that would have been right. But okay. But, but, but they're, they're the nerds, so they're, it's okay. It's like, no, it's not okay. And it's fucked up. <laughs> um, so, but in this one, like, the... Yeah. yeah the, the, the gross guy is, is meant to be gross. And that's... That's, that's a relief. <laughs> that's a relief. All I know is the, the scenes that I saw... Who, Ron Jeremy's in it? Yeah. Nice. That tells you anything, so. <laughs> I only, I only watched, there's a, there's a compilation of all the musical numbers on YouTube. They're so good. And They're so good. That's, I, I watched that and it's fantastic. Like the music's, like, I love 80s music and the music's good. No, the opinion. music's really great in this. I mean, you had Mary D. Marshall who had uh, three albums. Um, and this was, you know, it's kind of sad because this is one of her, her films that was, you know, kind of going to kickstart her career. But for whatever reason, I'm not sure, like, I wouldn't say that, you know, because the only other option is that maybe the female perspective and kind of, the, you know, gender role swap, like that hurt the film. Because oh, absolutely. It, I mean, you have to think about when it really came out. I mean, this is, still, this is still a time period where, like, they were teaching in textbooks that the female orgasm wasn't a thing. I mean, so yeah. having, like, if a film like Valley Girls were to come out today, it would be very much like the to-do list with Aubrey Plaza, where it is very, you know, kind of flipping the typical gender roles, but at the same time still appealing to the male gaze. But that movie still brought in audiences of both genders because audiences today don't care. Like if they want to see a sex comedy, it doesn't matter who's in it. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, easy a, or if it's American pie, they're going to fucking see it. But in the eighties, like that was still like that gender divide was still very, very strong. So guys weren't going to be caught dead going to see a film called Valet Girls because I'm not fucking queer. I'm not going to see that because that's just, that's the world that people were in when it came out. And that's unfortunate. So I think that this film, this is definitely one that like, I'm for sure going to be like, Hey, friends of mine, watch this. Like still a little problematic, but Holy shit. Did you know it existed? Cause I didn't until now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I want to uh I I need to track track it down. Definitely so I can watch it. This is one that uh, eluded me on on YouTube. The other ones I can always have been able to find. This one's eluded me. So uh, I will have to yeah, use it's other a methods. It's harder to find. Yeah. It's yep. kind of yep. kind of crazy that it is 
is rare, but I mean, yeah, it's hopefully one day. If it's it, an NGM title. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping as these companies all start. Of, all of, put it out. Somebody, come on. That's all we need. We need fucking <clears throat> all of to do it. Yeah. But they suck, Brad. They don't do anything. Uh, they put movies Get on over yourselves. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, this is one of those films. Like I said, there is that HD master out there. Amazon had it for a while. If you had Amazon Prime, um, there it was available at some point. So it would be yeah. great to have it available again. So yeah. hopefully it'll show up on Voodoo.com or something like that soon. I don't know. At least I just want to own it. I want to own it and watch it and uh, base ba- bask bask comedy. in the eighties and glitter. Great sex comedy. All right. Well, um, I think we are about out of time for today's show, but um, we want to thank all of you guys for listening. Check out these movies. Definitely track them down. Um, go over to grindhousevideo.com and track down the Black Cat set from them for sure, as well as the other movies that we've talked about. I will have uh, whatever he has. I will have links in the show notes t- so you can track them down through there. Uh Make sure you use the code SCREAMCAST10 when checking out at GrindhouseVideo.com. You'll get a 10% discount for anything orders over $25. Also, of course, go to CoffeeShopOfHorrors.com and place an order there. You can use uh, the code SCREAMCAST, get 10% off your order there as well. And there, ah, you know, I'll have, to, I'll have to find it. There's, I just had a new flavor of theirs that was, oh, Highlander Grog. Holy shit, shit balls. It's Holy good. shit balls. It is good. So I recommend the Highlander Grog. I'm going to be buying myself a big-ass bag of that stuff. But uh, as the holidays are coming up, it's a good, like, kind of holiday-ish, uh, you know, I don't know, Holiday. spices and stuff. It's fucking good. So Celebrate. check that out. Also, I want to thank oneofus.net for posting our show over there. You can check out check out our shows and all the articles we've been posting over at thescreamcast.com. Friday, Black Friday, look for an article and an announcement, um, Brad, that you'll be writing up, correct? Uh, oh shit, is this Friday? No, next Friday. No, this, well, next. this is, this is posting Thanksgiving week. Oh so. yeah. So countdown, cause there's a huge, huge, huge announcement from Vinegar Syndrome. So just, you know, keep a, keep an ear and eye out. Speaking um, of Vinegar Syndrome, Exploitation TV officially is showcasing films from independent filmmakers that are currently working. Awesome. So that's cool. Support independent and, you know, working filmmakers. Um, you can check out their their first entry in that is Dustin Mills' Apple Cart. It's fucking weird. Check nice. it out. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Um, that's going to do it for us this week. We'll talk to all of you guys next week. Or next week, next time. Um, this I posted this on Twitter and Facebook, but uh, with the holidays coming up, we may, may not be able to keep as uh, you know a weekly schedule with the shows. So just keep an eye on, on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll let you guys know when the next show will be. So we'll hopefully we'll have a we should have a couple more before the year end for sure. But there will be probably uh-huh. a, another break in between there, but because of vacations and stuff like that. So Twitter the wait uh. The underscore Screamcast on Twitter. And then Facebook is, uh, I don't know. 
Screamcast. Screamcast on Facebook. I did, I did something where like Screamcast 2014 or something like that on Facebook. Oh my god. Yeah. Because anyway. you're 90. Well, someone else had the name no Screamcast on Facebook and they weren't you even can, using you it. You can find us at screamcast at AOL.com. <laughs> <laughs> MSN.com. Find us on Friendster. Yes. All right. We'll talk to all you guys next time. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun.